I don't think I need to say much more than what Stephen's already said. So you're doing very good, very well done, very good. Um, just want to uh, play a, a sound clip this morning. If it's going to work, is it going to work, Chloe? Yes. So very well known. Carry, carry on. Does anyone know what this song is, or who sings it? Does everyone know this one? Yes, you can listen. To <laughs> that's a prelude. You can listen to it when you get home if you'd like to. Um, but this um, clip has nothing to, nothing to do with my sermon, actually, this morning. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, it's, it's something that I've been singing um, going to work. Obviously, you, know, you hear lots of different uh, uh, Christmas songs this time, time of year. And it's a nice song, isn't it? Yeah. It is a nice song, and it makes you feel really good. But it's nothing about Jesus, nothing about God. It's all about toys in shops and things like that. And so as I was sort of preparing the sermon for this morning, I was thinking, well, what an amazing opportunity we have as a church to, to tell people about the real meaning of Christmas. And, and that is what people think is the real meaning of Christmas, is toys in stores and mum and dad waiting for the children to go back to school. But it's a feel-good song, isn't it? It's a feel-good song, makes you feel really good, but it's, a, it's temporary. You know, it's a temporary feel-good. And, you know, once the song's over and done with, you're back in, well, I'm back into the busyness of traffic and everything else and the, and the, the, the trials of life. Um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's something for us to think about, isn't it, that we have hope in Jesus Christ forever. That song is temporary, but Jesus Christ is, is forever. So nothing to do with what my message, but it's just really, really sort of occurred to me this week. And a great opportunity we have, maybe tonight, is to share the good news of salvation not just about a baby born in a stable, but Jesus dying on the cross for sins. So, okay, this morning, so I think my sermon's gone from several different things. It started from one thing I think I've changed about three or four times this morning. Um, but what I'd like to look at is, is five different occasions in the life of Jesus where angels have been mentioned. Okay, so five different occasions. Hopefully we'll get through them, um, but we'll see what happens. So five different occasions where uh, angels are mentioned in, in the life of Christ. I'm speaking again next week, and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1. So if you have a time, time in the week, have a look at Hebrews chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the, focusing on the deity of Christ, so Hebrews chapter 1. So the ministry of angels can be found throughout the life of Christ, from his birth to his ascension into heaven. Angels played an important role in the ministry of Christ. The fact that angels had an attentive role around the ministry of Jesus is another testimony, as we'll look next week, at, the de at his deity. 
So just as angels surround the throne of God the Father and serve him, they were also around God the Son, Jesus Christ. So at this time of year, we probably sing songs about angels. We maybe send cards with angels on them. Maybe we have an angel on top of the tree, for example. But what do we know about angels through the life of Christ? I know um, Justin's already prayed, but we're just going to pray again. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can have it to, to read. But we pray, Lord, that as we read it, we'll understand more about you, more about you and how we can apply what we learned this morning to the way we live our lives in glory and honour to you. So just pray, Lord, as, we, as I speak this morning, just pray that, that words will come from my mouth that are from you and that will encourage one another as we meet this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so, so if you look through the Bible, there's, there's several, well, many references around angels, and um, they're met, they're, they are described in, in, in various different ways. So some, some say four-winged creatures, often called cherubim. They were created by God, so it says in the Bible, for, all things, for, hi, for by him all things were created. Um, it says they're wise and intelligent. But as we look at the passage this morning, what, is very, what I need to be very, very clear about is that angels are not to be worshipped. We worship God. We worship Christ. So angels are subject to Christ, as you'll see in Hebrews chapter 1. Um, angels are subject to Christ. So we, so we, we worship Christ, we worship God. We do not worship angels. So for, uh, angels are very often not seen, um, but as we look at the passages this morning, they, 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 they do appear, um, often as men in, in bright clothing. There are various uh, occasions where angels are mentioned other than the five we're going to go through. So there's a temptation of Christ, there's the betrayal of Jesus, there's ascension, the second coming, and when Christ executes his judgment. And that's just a few references to where angels are mentioned through the life of Christ. So keeping it very, very simple this morning, keep you alert, keep you awake. Um, we're going to look at four different questions. I may ask for some participation, so keep you on your toes. Um, we're going to look at four different questions through these five different occasions. So we're going to look at what is the description of the angel, who did the angels witness to, what does this tell us about Jesus, and most importantly, how does this apply to us? So that's really important, isn't it? When we look at the Bible, we need to know how does it apply to us? How do we change to be more like Christ? So this is just how my brain works. So these four questions we're going to go through, keeping it very, very simple. If you've got Bibles in front of you, it'd be good to, to look at those, but also be on the screen, all the different references. So the first one, Luke chapter 1, it's the first one looking at predicting Jesus' birth. So we're going to go start with some very well-known passages. So Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's 
Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So what is the, what is the description of the angel? People can shout out if they'd like to, or I can just carry on. His name? Gabriel. Gabriel, yes, thank you. So we don't, it doesn't go into enormous amount of detail. Um, so again, it says the name is Gabriel, and importantly, sent by God. So as we said, as I said at the start, angels are not to be worshipped, for all things were created by God. So the angel was sent by God. And who did the angel witness to? Mary. Mary, yeah, Mary the mother of Jesus. So the angel witnessed about Jesus in this particular instance and said that, that Jesus, he, he is the son of the most high God. He will reign forever. His kingdom will last forever. Great words, isn't it? His kingdom will last forever. So even before Jesus' birth, there was this prediction, or you know, the angel coming to Mary and, and saying this. And how it applies to us is that it clarifies and reinforces who Jesus is. So sometimes we do need reminding of, of this, that he is the son of God, he will reign forever, and his kingdom will last forever. He is the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. But we have the assurance that Jesus will reign forever and his kingdom will never end. So as we've seen this week, we've seen many different things happening in our nation. But in all the uncertainty of life and what's happening in our nation, Jesus is lifted up high. Jesus is high and lifted up. He is exalted. And God has exalted him to the highest place. So he is the son of the most high God. He will reign forever and his kingdom will last forever. Great, isn't it? Brilliant. Okay, so the next ones. We looked at um, predicting Jesus' birth. We're going to look at present at Jesus' birth. So Luke chapter 2. I'm sort of going through this very quickly, I apologise. but uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. Again, very, very well-known passage this morning. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of, heavenly, of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had told us about. So again, the description of the angel, not in a great lot of detail, but again, sent by God, sent by God to bring a message. But then we, we see something else happening here, a great company of heavenly host. I don't know what you, what you would have thought if you were a shepherd on that field, um, but seeing this would be quite a sight. So the heavenly host are God's holy angels who dwell in God's presence. So in other words, as, as a, a, um, a commentary says, 
a great number of angelic beings forming a celestial, celestial army under God's command. So a great number of angelic beings forming a celestial army under God's command. Isn't that amazing? So what a sight the shepherds would have seen on that night. Do not be afraid, they said. Do not be afraid. They are sent by God to bring that message. So they were speaking to the, the shepherds. But going back to that um, heavenly host, the, 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 the main part here really is praising God. Psalm 103 says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. They're praising, praising God. So what does this tell us about Jesus? That Jesus has been born. Jesus has been born. He is the Messiah. And how does this apply to us? Well, the name Messiah means anointed one or, or chosen one. So as the anointed one, Jesus came to deliver us from sin and from Satan. So as the Messiah, he offers the forgiveness of sin and promises salvation and a place in his kingdom. And as we've seen from the previous angel, his kingdom will never end, last forever. So through Jesus' death and resurrection, we we have a place in the kingdom of God forever praising God as the angels do. A great company of heavenly hosts praising God. And that's what we need to do this morning as we've already done in, in song as well. We need to praise God, praise him for sending his son Jesus to, to be born, to die. But he offers a, amazing salvation and forgiveness of sin. He came to deliver us from sin as the anointed one. Okay, so we'll move on. So a bit of a whistle-stop tour through some of the angels through the life of Jesus. So the next one is, is about warning Joseph, Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. So Matthew chapter 2. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to, jo- to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea uh, in place of his, of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in, the, in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So what is the description of the angel in this passage? Pardon? I can't hear you. In a dream, yep. So, but again, um, an angel of the Lord. So again, sent by God. Sent by God, under God's command. So, and he appeared in a dream. Was that you, Beryl? Thank you. Yep, so appeared in a dream. So slightly different this time. Slightly different with the angel. But who did the angel witness to? Joseph. I heard someone. My hearing's going. 
Joseph in Egypt, yes, thank you. Joseph in a dream whilst in Egypt. And what does this tell us about Jesus? And this is one passage I was thinking about, but I suppose nothing specific about Jesus and who he is other than he needs protecting. Other than he needs protecting and to fulfil scripture that Jesus was a Nazarene. So we think of Jesus maybe as a two, three-year-old. And, you know, I think of Gideon as a, as a, as a three-year-old. He needs my protection. You know, I, I pray that, um, that God will protect him, but he needs that, that parental figure to, 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 to make sure he doesn't run into the road or to, to protect him from, from dangers. And, and the same here, you know, Joseph had that, maybe the responsibility to, to, to protect um, Jesus. But how does this apply to us? Well, in a way, Joseph was obedient. Joseph was obedient to, the, to what the angel said in the dream. Um, he, yes, he was, uh, was obedient. We do not know the outcome of what co- God calls us to do or where God calls us to go. So as Stephen was saying this morning, you know, Stephen was being obedient and in some ways saying, oh, I, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this. And God's saying, well, yes, you can. This, is, this says it in the Bible and you know, I'll be with you and, and, and give you the words to say. But sometimes we don't know the outcome of what God calls us to do or where he calls us to go, but we need to remember that God is all-knowing. And you know, Joseph didn't know the outcome of where he was going and what he was doing, but he was obedient to, to, the, to, the, to the call of, of God in a, in a way, to, to God directing him in, into different ways. And we think back of um, the prayer of Mary. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your words be fulfilled in me. So are, are you the Lord's servant this morning? So again, going back to Stephen and, and him sort of being sit, sitting on the, the top deck in, in, the, in the sun, which is a very nice place to be, I must admit. But um, thinking of a cruise ship, not of church. But um, are, we, are we obedient to, to God's call in our life? Are we obedient to stand up and yes, say, say, yes, I represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Are we willing, well, yeah, I'm challenging myself as well, because uh, <laughs> I did say to George, I said, um, I'm not really a, a public, well, I'm not, a, my, I'm, what, what I did say was, um, I was giving excuses, really. I'm not, not saying I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, gonna to do um, the uh, evangelism in, ta- in Paynton Town Centre, but I said to George, I said, I haven't really got a very loud voice. And his reply was, I've got, I've got a megaphone. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, no. Uh, so are you the Lord's servant? So as we come to the end of a decade, as we enter 2020, is there anything in your life you need to change to be fully obedient to him? Is there anything in your life that you need to change? Before you go into 2020, a new decade, is there anything you need to change to do differently to be more obedient to Christ and do his will? Maybe something you keep doing or maybe something that you never done before, um, maybe, yeah, maybe it's, it's, it's standing up and being a child of the king, a child of, of the king, something to leave and think about. So we're going to carry on, uh, quite a few years on in Jesus' life, going to look at Gethsemane, um, Luke chapter 22, Luke 22, 39 to 44. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, 
He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So again, the description of the angel, only that the angel attended Jesus. The angel attended Jesus, came from heaven, and so again you would say, sent by God. Under God's command, sent by God, under God's command. Who did the angel witness to? We've seen that, so witness to Jesus. And what does this tell us about Jesus? Well, here in the garden, Jesus was surrendered to death. So Jesus, the Son of God, knew full well that he was raised to die. And yet his soul experienced agony as the anticipation of what lay before him. He called this solemn experience drinking the cup. He experienced agony at the anticipation of what lay before him. So how does this, this apply to us? This bit I'm going, to, I'm going to read. So two things. The first thing, Jesus was in anguish at what was before him. He died for you. He knew what was before him, yet faced this. He would experience pain, suffering, humiliation, false accusation, betrayal, abandonment, and death. And death in the most cruel way. And he did this for me. He did this for you. So Jesus, in the face of this, faced the anguish of what was before him, but yet was obedient to death, as we see in Philippians, obedient to death, even death on a cross. But also, we, we read at the end of this, this passage um, here, um, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Do we pray more earnestly about things? He prayed more earnestly. To pray earnestly is to be, is to, um, yeah, to pray more earnestly, earnestly is to have focused and passionate prayer coming to God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So coming to God in our prayer life with all our heart, soul, mind and strength is, is, about, is, is everything about us, isn't it? It's about all our, all, everything. Our heart, soul, mind and strength is, is, is I don't, probably words cannot describe it, can they? It's, it's about laying everything before God. All our anguishes, all our worries, ev- everything, and, and, and laying it before him. And it's about your whole life being surrendered to God in prayer. And I'm speaking to myself in this as well. You know, is, is my own prayer life fully surrendered to God? Probably very much not. The definition of earnest is to be intent and direct in purpose, to be zealous, marked by a deep feeling of conviction. How is your prayer life this morning? How is your prayer life this morning? Are you surrendered to God in prayer? Do you come to God with, with, with everything, everything about you, everything that's, that's in your very being, praising God, glorifying God, but being, as we said earlier, being obedient to, to his will. As Jesus said, you know, he was in complete agony, anguish about what was before him, but yet said, 
Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will. What a challenge, what a challenge. We'll move on. So we look at um, the resurrection. So we'll stop um, through, through on to Easter now. Um, so resurrection, Matthew 28, 1 to 10. Thank you. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There you will see me. What amazing words, isn't it? So what is the description of the angel? Well, again, and as in many of these passages we've looked at at this morning, an angel sent by God from heaven. So again, under God's command, sent from God from heaven. Appearance like lightning. I don't think any of us could imagine that. Um, Appearance of an angel like lightning and clothes as white as snow. Who do the angels witness to? Well, Mary Magdalene and Mary. And what does this tell us about Jesus? Well, in many, many times we've read these passages and obviously, you know, every Easter we, we look at them as well, but Jesus is alive. He is not here. He has risen. They're great words, aren't they? Jesus is not here. He has risen. Jesus has risen. So how does this apply to us? Well, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. So I know we, we, we're coming to the Christmas time where we remember Jesus um, born in, in, in such humble and, and, and lowly conditions. But we, as, we, as we share our faith this year, as we share the good news of salvation, it is about Jesus coming to earth, living as a man, but dying on the cross for us. But not just his death, but his resurrection from the dead. So through his resurrection, we are, we are saved. We, our, our, our sin can be, for, can be forgiven. So we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen in praise and worship. We celebrate in praise and worship. And it's funny when you, when you read a lot of these passages and you sort of gloss over some of it, don't you really? And um, it's only sort of reading it now and I'm sort of going off my notes, which is always a dangerous thing, really. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? So, verse 9 says, Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Clasped. What, a, what a, an amazing image of worship. 
What an amazing image of worship. And how, and I suppose the question is, how do we worship in that way? How do we worship God? Clasping at his feet. I know we can't literally do that. But how do we praise and worship in our daily life? Not just here at church when we, when we maybe sing songs or, or pray as a, as, a, as a congregation together. It's about worshipping in our daily life. And I'll leave that thought with you and have a look at it when you get home about that, the, the idea of, 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 of worship. They clasped his feet, so they're on their knees in worship, on their knees in worship, clasping his feet in praise and worship. Um, so Jesus is not here, he has risen. So how does this apply to us? So we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen. But what I'd like to do is just read a passage from 1 Chronicles. It's not on the screen. And, and very often, when, when, we, when we stand up here, we, we cannot say anything else but read God's word. And 1 Chronicles, I think, really says a lot of summing up of what we've said this morning um, in praise and worship. So 1 Chronicles, words of David, says this. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendour and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Keep going. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything, everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God our Saviour. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amazing words. Amazing, isn't it? I'd recommend you know, going home and have a look at that one in one chronicles. So really, in conclusion this morning, what, what have we learned about Jesus? So he is the son of God. He is the son of the most high God. He will reign forever. His birth fulfills prophecy. He is the Messiah, the anointed one. He was obedient to death. And he is alive. He has risen. And our response is thankfulness, praise, worship, awe of God. And most importantly, as we might do this afternoon tonight, is to share the hope that is in us. And I'm going to, as we've got a little bit of time, um, if my battery holds out, I just wanted to read, um, I read it at the um, prayer meeting the other day, um, and it is a, it's a real challenge, actually, 
Um, if I can find it. Um, yeah. So it's called... So, so at the moment I'm doing a devotional um, looking at different Christmas carols each day to build up a bit of our Christmas and how, how we can be challenged by those. And so this particular um, carol is angels... It says, it says, angels we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply echoing their joyous strains Gloria in excelsis Deo. And so the devotional really goes through... Um, it, goes, it talks about worship. It talks about, about worship and our, and our awe of God. And it says this, What inspires awe in you? What things cause you to become speechless when you see them? Is it a sight of a family member you haven't seen in years? Is it, vis- a, is it visiting a majestic place like a mountain or a historical place like the ancient pyramids of Egypt? The night Christ was born was the most monumental and awe-inspiring event that has ever occurred in human history. As God sent his one and only son on to earth so that we could, be ultim- so we could ultimately have eternal life. There has not been an event in history before or after Christ's birth that resulted in such celebration that the angels themselves made their physical presence known and their voices heard in song. Can you imagine how the, the shepherd's draw, jaws um, must have dropped at the sight of the sound of the angels? Then that moment was so majestic that we probably cannot fully comprehend what it was like to become what it was like, because honestly, none of us have encountered such a sight. It seems like people tend to have fewer experiences these days of complete awe. Technology has brought so much of the world to our living rooms and fingertips that we can see anything we want and feel like we are anywhere we want to be. Unfortunately, most of us probably have fewer awe-inspiring moments with God than we should. Our relationship with him becomes too comfortable and even ordinary. This Christmas, make an attempt to regain those awe-inspiring moments with God. Strive to make your relationship with him something so inspiring that it causes you to rejoice like the angels did. Don't let your relationship with him be ordinary but make it extraordinary. Isn't that a challenge? Or is it just me? Um, amazing, yes. And, and as I suppose you know, awe-inspiring moments, like I said in the prayer meeting the other day, can be at most random situations. So when I was stuck in traffic the other day, which I don't enjoy, um, you know, and, I, and, and the, you know, it, was, it was a night where you saw you know, the, the sky was just an amazing colour. And, you, and, it, and, it, and at that moment, it is awe-inspiring, isn't it? You know, in, in, I'm still stuck in the busyness of life, but, and most people would probably drive, you know, not even notice, and have their radio, you know, and singing, singing, whatever. But, you know, and, but, but, you know I, that made me stop and think. And, and yes, I was in, in awe of God, because what an amazing sight. And, you know, we thank God that we, we have those experiences. But, yes, think about it this Christmas. Think about maybe the angels in, in the life of Christ. But let's have a, a Christmas where we individually and as a church are awe-inspired about the, the Son of God who came to earth but died on the cross that we might be forgiven. But how many times we, we say that? We say that all the time. But yet let's, let's really worship God as the, the, the most high God and that he will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. He will reign forever. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can, can read it from this platform, from this church here, and we can read it in our, in our homes. But we pray, Lord, as we, as we read it this Christmas, maybe as we think about um, what we've spoken about this morning, help us, Lord, to, to, be, to become more like you every day, to, to, to learn more about you, to m- learn more about who you are and, and what you've done. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, that you do intervene in our lives, that you do help us with all these different things. But we pray, Lord, more importantly, that we, we, be, we will be obedient to you, obedient to the calling of your life, and that we will say, obedient to the calling on our lives, and say, not my will be done, but your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to stand and sing our closing.